Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter. In the Zoom studio, I'm here with Dan Regger Hoyer. Hello. As well as two guests. We have Emma Petch. Is that how you pronounce your last name? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, it's Petch. Petch like Fetch. Nice. And Dana Woolery. It's a wonderful night for Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. <laughs> and as, da- as Dana said, it is a special episode of Bijou Banter. Today is Friday, March 10th of 2023, otherwise known as Mario Day. But we're not going to be talking about Mario. We're going to talk about the Oscar nominations at the 95th Academy Awards, which will be on Sunday, March 12th. And we're going to have this episode uploaded before the Oscars. And we're just going to talk about the nominees, our thoughts on the nominees, c- certain snubs, maybe um, proclaim what will win, what should win. Who knows? We're just going to talk about the Oscar nominees. So I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right into this. So we're going to go in alphabetical order with the exception of Best Picture. We're going to say that for our grand finale. And we're going to begin with Best Actor in a Leading Role. This year's nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for Aftersun, and Bill Nighy for Living. What do we think of these nominees and who we think is going to take it? Who wants to go okay. first? Okay. I, I have thoughts on this. So I have a spreadsheet system. Um, that takes a couple of the major awards. So Golden Globes, a lot of the critics awards like London, New York, Los Angeles, and then the Guild Awards like SAG, um, Critics' Choice BAFTA, and breaks them all down based on the percent that they've matched up with the Oscars over the past 10 years. And then it like basically adds all those together. And what I can see from my statistical data is that Colin Farrell dominated a lot of the Critics Awards, so National Board of Review, New York. He won the Golden Globe for Musical Comedy, which has never matched up with Best Actor um, in the past uh, 10 years, so since 2012. Um, but he was he didn't win the SAG, he didn't win Critics' Choice, he didn't win BAFTA. Um, Austin Butler has Golden Globe and BAFTA, which 90% of the time match up. It's weird that he won for drama and not for musical, though, um, for musical or comedy. And then Brendan Fraser has SAG and Critics' Choice. So it's kind of like all weirdly divided because critics really liked Colin Farrell, Golden Globe and BAFTA liked Austin Butler, and then SAG and Critics' Choice both like Brendan Fraser. So it's all messed up. And so it's it's like a three-way battle between those actors. I think I've seen all three of the movies and uh each actor definitely like embraces the role that they're in. I mean Austin Butler. I mean at this point we can't tell if he's either Elvis or Austin Butler at this point. The dude's voice is stuck that way now. Um and Brendan Fraser is has one heck of a comeback performance and Colin Farrell, like, with his first Academy Award nomination has been, like, amazing in Banshee. So it's really hard to tell, like, who is going to be winning uh, this award. I mean, for me, I think Frazier is probably the one that I th- I'm buying for because this is an actor, you know, who went from B-movie street cred all the way to Oscar nominee. And so I think he can really... I think his performance in the will was amazing and I'm really buying that Frazier wins it wins this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Austin Butler takes it. Um because I think he's been probably the biggest reason why Elvis 
was so popular last year. Um, so we'll, but I mean, we'll see. I think it's really going to be a three-way race between Farrell, Butler, and Frazier. I have a uh, Brendan Frazier winning, uh, but I could see it's it's very much a two-horse race race, and I can I think a coin tip flip. The reason why I'm I'm betting on uh Frazier is to me like a lot of Oscar is yes as Emma shows and I is stats, but it's also I think about momentum and feel. And so like for me, I think like every time Brendan Frazier goes to an award show, he's emotional. He's very much like he's like so happy to win this award. He's crying and he says, and I think his message of like how much it means to be an actor and how much acting means to him is very going to resonate much with Academy voters. And I think also the fact that he's a veteran kind of has him over the edge where, you know, the Academy could be like Austin Butler. Well, you got another chance, kid. We this might be the only time we give Brendan Frazier an award. However, like, yeah, Austin Butler, he's he's in like one of the most nominated movies of the night. He gives he, he gives the classic sort of music biopic performance. I wouldn't be shocked if he win. It's a coin flip, but I currently think it's Brendan Fraser has the slighter edge personally, and that's who I'm predicting currently. What's interesting too is that only two of the nominees this year have a Best Picture nomination, and over the past 10 years, 100% of the time, Best Actor has gone to a film that was nominated for Best Picture too. The only ones nominated for Best Picture as well as Best Actor are Banshees and Elvis, um, so that's something to think about too. I'm not like, I think Brendan Fraser looks like he gives the best performance of the year in the whale, but I'm not sure that his comeback narrative has been enough to carry him like to enough awards this season. Like sure. He won SAG and critics choice, but the critics didn't give him a lot of love at a lot of the smaller awards like they did with Colin Farrell. And he didn't win Golden Globe for drama, which is kind of a big deal, I think. I mean, I think Golden Globe. I mean, I, I know the that, reason why. So there, yeah. there's there's a reason why he well, he didn't win, which is why the Golden Globes suck. Um, actually, what I should have said <laughs> instead is that he didn't win the BAFTA, which I think is a bigger deal. Well, we all know. The, well, the BAFTA. The BAFTA, that doesn't surprise me because Colin Farrell is an Irish actor, so they tend to favor British and Colin Irish Farrell actors. Colin Farrell didn't win the BAFTA, though. Oh, he did? Austin Butler won the BAFTA. Oh, he did? Yeah. I, I thought Colin Farrell won the BAFTA. No. I'm mistaken. Oh, wow. Well, Which Kilgan is surprising. Barry Kilgan. Oh, I'm probably thinking Barry Kilgan. Yeah, that'll be our next one. Um, I'm going to say Brendan Fraser based on the performances that I've seen. Um, Brendan Fraser is not only incredible in the whale, but he gave my favorite performance of the entire year. Just the way he transformed into the role and more than just like giving him the award as like a comeback role. I think he really encapsulated the character so well. And just like, it is a transformative performance and a very moving and emotional one. So it does in a way tick off the boxes that a lot of Oscar voters probably want to see, but it's just an amazing performance at the end of the day. And I think that's what matters. Um, I love Colin Farrell and Banshees as well. Paul Mescal, I think should have a higher chance because he is amazing. And after son, I still don't like the movie Elvis, but Austin Butler is hands down the best part of that movie. I haven't seen living, so I can't comment upon that. So I'm going to say Brendan Fraser as well. Moving on to best actor in a supporting role. This year's nominees are 
Brendan Gleeson for the Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for the Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for the Banshees of Inisherin, and Ki Hu Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Who are who we think was going to take this one? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious. This is the most sure like category. Um, Ki Hu Kwan has won like everything. He's been completely like dominating the season. Barry Keoghan could steal, but it's such a small chance. Like, yeah. They don't give it a, a key quan, it'd be like the most jerk move the Academy ever has done. Like, like, yeah, everyone, it's like if even the people who think everywhere, the only even people who think everything everywhere who has no shot at picture or all these things think that would be like the very least he's gonna win this. Like, Barry Kilgan was like a weird thing the Baptist did, so like, there's no way logistically speaking that he's not winning this. This is the this is this and like maybe like animated feature are the only lock of the night. Yeah, it's kind of obvious that it's gonna be Kei Huquan. I mean, I mean, if there's anybody that has a better comeback narrative than Fraser does, it's definitely Kei Huquan. Somebody who, you know, was a child star from Indiana Jones and the Goonies, and then has since left the limelight in the midst of the 1990s, and then finally returning with a performance that you know has won over every award organization. Um and it's just no doubt like that he's gonna win it. Um I think and you know it's not like to dismiss like you know Gleason and Kyogen's performances and Banshees of Inishiran, but I think Kehuquan is just acting on another level and you know he just gives a great performance in in everything overall at once. And it's just it's just no doubt it's he has he already has this in the bag. It's quite yeah. it's quite obvious that he's gonna take it. Um he's essentially the heart of the movie amongst many hearts, but he's basically nearly swept every single supporting actor award, regardless of if it's like a major award ceremony, a critics group, a producer's guild. Like he's been sweeping nearly everything, which is incredibly impressive. And it's there's no there's no doubt that he won't that he's gonna take it. Like if you bet against that, very bold decision. But I don't. It's he's gonna take it, and it's not just not to discredit any of the other nominees. They're all very good. Um, the one outlier I would argue is Judd Hirsch, who is great in the Fablemans for the one scene, but it's such a small role that I'm surprised he was nominated. Um, but he's still he's still wonderful. Brian Tyree Henry also gave a very underappreciated performance in Causeway. I'm glad he's getting some recognition here. But it's Kiyu Kwan. He's gonna take it. Best Actress in a Leading Role, which is a very, very interesting group of nominees. We have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Ever All at Once. Um, this is highly, um, not divisive is the word, but it's just like very debated who's going to take this one. So I'm interested to hear what we have to say. Kate Blanchett. Okay. So the big debate here is between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. Um, they're kind of neck and neck this season, at least like that's the way most people have been portraying it. Kate Blanchett has basically dominated everything. She's got a Golden Globe for drama, all of the critics awards, um, or at least like New, New York, LA, National Society and London. Mm -hmm. um, and then she has the Critics' Choice in BAFTA, which you know, in any other season, we would think like, yeah, she's going to take it. But Michelle Yeoh went home with Golden Globe for musical comedy. And then she's 
stole the SAG from Kate mm-hmm. Blanchett. Um, and a lot of people are really liking Michelle Yeoh's career narrative. Everything Everywhere All at Once is kind of like her star is born, where it's sort of like a reflection on her whole career. And Kate Blanchett is just kind of being Kate Blanchett in Tar. I saw it. I think it's definitely like, it's probably the best performance, I would say. Um, I would even argue that she's maybe a little better than Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere all at once. And in every other season, I'd give it to her. But Michelle Yeoh has had this really long career that's gone unrecognized for a long time. So she's my personal like pick, but I think I'm going to predict Kate Blanchett because that's where it seems like everybody's going. Is there some way we could have like a tie like in like 69 or 68 or whatever? Just like it's so hard to pick. Um, I because like I on the one hand, I think like Michelle Yeoh has is gaining momentum. I think the SAG win kind of like helped her like gain popularity notice. And I think it's like also I think it's it's more important to give, I think, a woman like a, another woman of color more voices. And I think that's a, it'd be, and I, you know, she has a long history. But then you know that yeah, you can't ignore that Kate Blanchett has been wanting all this time. And even though it's clearly Kate Blanchett doesn't really want a third Oscar, uh, she really's uh awards voters don't really seem to care. And I think they just love her performance so much. And it's I agree, it's probably the best performance she's probably given and probably the best performance of the year. I I I give an edge to Michelle Yeoh purely because I just think everything's been my everything everywhere's momentum, specifically at SAG, where it just broke a SAG record for like the most wins in SAG history, which granted not all Academy members are part of SAG and then not of all of them probably voted for Michelle Yo, but I just think that is a reflection of the, you know, the kind of love everything everywhere is kind of having receiving like this and another film we'll soon talk about, I think is, is surging at just at the right moment. Yeah, this is like a very, or you know this is like a two-way race between Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett both gave great performances in both Tar and Everything Up All at Once respectively um I mean Michelle Yeoh definitely you know she took to SAG um and probably like you know it's finally like you know catching up to Kate Blanchett but right now I think Kate Blanchett is pretty much the one that I think had it locked um from the start of the Golden Globes. I think Blanchett is just like given such a great performance in Tar and you know in and yeah it's obvious she's a great actor. She I mean every single role that Kate Blanchett's been in like she's just encapsulated her character in Tar is no different. And I I mean, Michelle Yeoh, like, you know, I love that performance and everything, everywhere all at once, the very emotionally heartfelt performance, but Blanchett just takes it up a whole other level in Tar and is already had, I think she already basically has this in the bag, kind of, I think it's, it's really going to see, we'll see what happens on Sunday, but I mean, I think Blanchett's going to be the one who'll be walking away with this. I went back and forth on this for a long, long time um, between Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. Um, I, for a while, had Kate Blanchett as winning based on the traction she's got in the earlier award season and the fact that her performance in Tar is a career best, in my opinion. However, I could say the same for Michelle Yeoh, a career best performance, a long overdue uh, award recognition of this caliber. And after rewatching Everything Everywhere again, that solidified her as my pick for best actress. 
for this year because of not only how much range she has as an actress all in one movie, but just how how this everything was building up to this, like throughout her career, as was stated before, just like the amount of different films she has, because she's a very um, she's a very diverse actress in terms of like the character she plays, the role she takes on, and everything everywhere like combines all that together, which is super impressive. Um, this is a hot take, but out of these nominees, she's not my favorite of the bunch. My favorite out of these is actually Anna de Armas for Blonde, which obviously I know Blonde is a very divisive film, but that is a very fearless performance that I've seen out of any actress this year. But I know that's not going to happen. She's not going to win, unfortunately. So based on that, I'm giving it to Michelle Yeoh for Best Actress. Best Actress in a Supporting Role. We have Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishiran, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Much like Best Leading Actress, this is also a very highly debated category. So what do we think? This is another three-way tie. Um, Angela Bassett has Golden Globe and Critics' Choice. Carrie Condon won the BAFTA and National Society of Film Critics and London Film Critics. And then Jamie Lee Curtis swept in and took the SAG. I was hoping that, you know, the SAG would go to either Angela Bassett or Carrie Condon, and then we would have a lock. Um, but yeah, I'm. This is the one that I'm like wringing my hands over. I don't know if I should give it to like. I don't know if Jamie Lee Curtis winning the SAG because she doesn't have anything else is enough mm -hmm. to carry her to an Oscar. Yeah. Um. And I'm not even sure if Carrie Condon having just a BAFTA would be enough to carry her to an Oscar. But I'm also not sure about Angela Bassett because she wasn't able to hold momentum through the BAFTAs mm -hmm. or to the SAG. So I really have no idea. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys think if it can help sway me in a different direction. Uh, I have Carrie Condon because I think, you know, she gives a stellar performance, a spectacular performance. And uh, I think a, a recent stat that has shown up and it obviously could break. And I, but I think like lately best supporting actress has been like the lone win for many award for like movies, like, you know, Minari, uh, Boyhood, um, you know, the, the West Side Story. And something I've just, I think like if they're going to, I don't see Banshees getting going home empty handed. And I think this is a good, this is the most likely place it'll probably get it outside of maybe screenplay and i just uh, she gives an amazing she does give a great performance and i just think i think yeah i think she's the good she just seems like the safest pick to me because like angela bassett uh i think what's holding her back from winning is the fact that it's a marvel sequel and i don't think the academy is willing to give like a top prize to a marvel sequel or like it, and it's an action you know so and then I think I cannot just see Jamie Lee Curtis winning because I cannot see a scenario where a, because I, she's like of the characters and everything everywhere all at once. I don't think her performance is like the weakest part for me. And also I just cannot see a, like the possibility of this being like the first movie, last movie since like network, I believe, or whatever to win like three acting awards theoretically, or like, or, or, or for to win both like supporting actor and actress. And I just think like, They'll spread the love a bit and give Banshees like one thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I do like Carrie Condon's performance in Banshees of Inisherin, and I, and I do think like Jamie Lee Curtis actually does like 
they put in a really good performance for everything everywhere all at once. Although I don't think it really stuck out in my mind as like a performance that, you know, was going to be award worthy. I mean, I think Yo and um, Kehei Kwan like really had like better performances, in my opinion. Even like I didn't think Stephanie Sue had a better performance than Jamie Lee Curtis did and everything everywhere. Um, because I didn't really think Jamie Lee Curtis's performance was like, you know, it was a good performance. I don't think it was like that award worthy. Um, but I mean, I think from I think Andrew Bassett is probably the one that I think is going to get this. And it's not in yet. I mean, there is obviously still that bias against like superhero films, but I feel like that, you know, Bassett, Disney has been pushing super hard to get Bassett this Oscar. I mean, she's probably the longest overdue. Um, I mean, like Lee Curtis is, but I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis really has like the momentum that, you know, Bat. Bassett had and Condon like you know as much as she gave a great performance in Banshee's of Inisherin it's like I don't think like she really has the other um awards to really back up apart from the BAFTA and so I think Angela Bassett's really going to be the one that's probably going to go home with this award on Sunday night another comment I just really want to briefly bring up this is like to me this Angela Bassett um situation very much reminds me of Another Ryan Coogler, uh, like a uh, se- sequel, uh, that got a lot of awards, like this is hype for like a legacy actor, and that was like you know with Creed's. So everyone thought Sylvester Stallone was gonna win. He won, you know, Critics' Choice and Golden Globe, and then Mark Lance, Ryan Lance won the BAFTA, was the lone BAFTA winner, and ended up winning over. And he was also a Best Picture nominee, where Creed was like a non-Best Picture nominee. Though so it's just another reason I think it might not go to Bassett as well. Yeah, I mean, and you know, stuff can, and you know, sometimes history can repeat itself. But I don't know if that's the situation with this one. Um, I think you know, Bassett. You know, I think Bassett's been around long enough where she has the respect um of a lot of of a lot of like award voters and people within the branch. Um. Because I mean, and no, I do kind of see like, you know, it can going, I could see it going to Condon, but I can't see it going to Curtis. Um, But I do think Bassett's really the one that I think really is going to take it, take this. Yeah, I went back, I went back and forth a lot on this as well. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say Carrie Condon. Um, Although out of these nominees, she's not my favorite. Personally, I think Stephanie Sue should take this, but I, doubt that will happen considering this is her like first major um film role like she she's been involved in like theater before and had some smaller supporting roles on television but it's like her this is like her breakout film role and i just i'm not sure if the academy will give that to her right off the bat um angela bassett while i liked her in wakanda forever i don't think is in my opinion is even a worthy um nomination for best supporting actress i'll just be upfront with that um, so I'm going to say Carrie Condon just because I do think kind of like what we we're saying about Banshees, I don't see Banshees winning a lot of awards um, at the ceremony, but this is probably the most likely one that it could take. And I could see them just giving that not to say not to say it's just they're hanging out as like a consolation prize, but Carrie Condon is very, very good in Banshees of Inisherin as well. So I'm going to say she'll take it. Moving on to Best Animated Feature Film, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Thoughts? 
Pinocchio. Do we even need, we even need to discuss it? I think this is you another think so? law. I no. I'm I have to I'm I'm going back and forth. I really am because I know I have a feeling Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio will take it. However, if I were to really go with my gut, I would say Marcel the show with shoes on. Because Mar sorry to interrupt you. No, it's, it's okay, <laughs> but it's just like because to me, like Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is such a great animated film as well and very different, but something about Marcel the Shell, like, and I know this is only a reflection on myself, but like it hit me emotionally in ways that del Toro's Pinocchio didn't, even though del Toro's Pinocchio is probably the better visual spectacle and has stronger animation. Something about Marcel the Shell, the way it handles simplicity thematically and storytelling wise, and just the combination of the two genres is like really, really interesting. However, because Marcel the Shell with on is a hybrid of live action and animation, I'm not sure if the Academy is going to go give it that, give it that because there's live action. Even though it does qualify for this award, I can't see them doing that. So I'm just going to say Del Toro's Pinocchio, but should be Marcel the Shell. The reason why it is like, is it's been sweeping even the Annie's where I was really surprised that it, it did as well as it did. Cause I thought they'd go gung ho over Puss in Boots. It, it's been sweeping literally everywhere. And and yeah, and I think the message, I think what's also kind of helping it is I is like Del Toro's really trying to push with his message of this film is that animation's not a genre for kids, it's a medium. I you should definitely check out if you'd like to his uh best director speech at the Annie's for where 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 he gives a really good speech about this. And it's just like and I think that's what's kind of helping in this narrative. And he's just also, yeah, I just think it's it's the one, if anything, I think it's Academy voters will vote for it because they know who Del Toro is and they saw it's they see it's winning everywhere. And be like, yeah, that's so. Yeah, I mean, I think Pinocchio is definitely the one that's gonna take it. I think it's just too obvious. I mean, I think as much as I've loved Puss in Boots, and I do think it's a little bit better than Pinocchio. Um, I don't necessarily think it's gonna get it in either of Marcel to Shell. Um, because, you know, Marcel Deschel, like, did a lot for the medium animation, but like Matthew said, the award voters are probably more swayed if, like, you know, the fully animated film compared to the one that isn't fully animated. Um, so I think Del Toro's Pinocchio is going to be the one that's going to take it. And, you know, it's been hyped up for a while. I think it's a film that, you know... When people heard Guillermo del Toro and Pinocchio, it's like, yeah, I mean, the industry was kind of going crazy for, for it for a little bit, and so I'm not going to be surprised if it goes to Pinocchio. I definitely agree with Matthew that it is sort of between Marcel the Shell and Pinocchio, and that Marcel the Shell is the one, the only one that's really poised to steal because it did get a little love from New York film critics and. National Board of Review, which isn't super important, but is something I still track. And it also won Best Independent Animated Film at the Annie's. Um, and Best An Independent Animated Film has not does not consistently go on to win Best Animated Feature, basically at all. Um, they usually go with whatever wins Best Animated Feature at the Annie's, which went to Pinocchio. Um, so like, I definitely would be surprised if Marcel the Shell took it over Pinocchio but I would be more surprised if like Puss in Boots or Turning Red took it instead you don't, you don't think as far as upset Puss in Boots could also because I mean one I guess one benefit to Puss in Boots is that it, it Puss in Boots is like having huge momentum and it's like I think it's 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 like you know 
the number 100 on letterbox like i think i could see that but like, it hasn't gave... it hasn't won any other awards though has it yeah. it hasn't Th- that's i don't think it has like i love um, puss in boots the last wish but if it hasn't had any traction then yeah. it's, it's unfortunately not going to take it yeah, though so yeah that's 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 what i think about I just, like, it is it is very much growing in popularity since the nominations i think it's like everyone's really but that's the only reason i think it could is like oh if academy vote the younger academy voters are on social media and see all these puss and boots the last wish memes so best cinematography i'm just going to be up front this year this category is terrible considering how much great cinematography we've had this entire year this is an absolute joke so i'm just going to read them off right now we got all quite on the western front Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. There are so many other films this year that aren't nominated that have better cinematography. It's crazy. Why is Top Gun Maverick not here? Why is Nope not here? Why is The Batman not here? Why is Everything Ever All at Once not here? It's it's insane. I don't know what happened with this category, but based on what we have, what do we think? I'm sorry for that mini rant, but it's still something that drives me crazy. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you that Bardo, Empire of Light, and I guess you could say Tar being on there is kind of unusual. Tar, like, tar I see. I, tar, I see why I see. Tar is it because there's a lot of one takes. Has great cinematography. Well, in it, but, but yeah, Bardo has amazing cinematography as well. Empire of Light, yeah, it's Roger Deakins. I think that's the only reason why he's here. It's not yeah. even his best shot movie, and the movie's really lame. Um, Elvis is. Elvis is a visually interesting movie, but there's not interesting shots, in my opinion. So that's... Yeah. And All Quiet is, is well shot, too, but there were better movies that were shot. Um, yeah. I honestly this... don't... With this one, I really don't know. So I'm just going to say All Quiet, because it seems like that's sweeping a lot of technical categories, yeah, like the BAFTAs and stuff. So I'm going to say All Quiet. So... The, th- the funny thing about best cinematography, this is actually a really tough category if you look at like past awards and statistics. All of the critics reviews went to Top Gun Maverick. Exactly. Um, which makes this really hard because I think also Empire of Light and Tar were nominated at Critics' Choice, but I mm-hmm. think Critics' Choice went to Top Gun Maverick. So, oh, gee, I wonder why. They strapped IMAX cameras to, to jet planes. <laughs> like that's really yeah. impressive. Why didn't the um, Academy of- see that? The only film that's been consistently nominated um, for Critics' Choice, BAFTA, and American Society of Cinematographers, which is the Guild, is Empire of Light, which is very <laughs> strange. That's um, so... And All Quiet took the BAFTA, which tends to match up with cinematography basically always. And then the Guild Award, the cinematographers went to Elvis. So it's kind oh, of it between did? those two. That's yeah. crazy. That's actually yeah. insane. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with All Quiet just because I think and it's incredibly visually, it, it's a beautifully visually. I think, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's another movie that's, I think, peaking and rising. All Quiet on the Western Front, I think, is like, like, like increasingly coming more popular among Academy voters. Like, I think it's starting getting more notice. Netflix is pushing it hard. I think if, if like since Top Gun isn't here, which is I don't even as someone who didn't care much for the film, I'm like that is a massive snub. I think All Quiet on the Western Front has the be- the upper end edge, though I could see Elvis taking it very much so. But I just I cannot see it Elvis like sweeping like so many tech awards though. No, please for the love of God, no. 
so I think like I think it's gonna go. I think All Quiet on the Western Front makes the most sense. It's it's a visually impressive. I think the BAFTA, as, as Emma said, lines up pretty well with the Oscars more often than not. I just I think and it makes sense as a cinematography winner as it's like a war movie and war movies tend to win cinematography, you know. So I'm guessing. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, sorry, you're good. I mean, I'm guessing for me, it's like you know, um, I know I'm honestly going tar. I mean, it's because you know, all quiet in the restaurant front, like you know. I mean, although I really liked it more than I thought I would, um, I think like, you know, there's really nothing interesting like from a cinematography angle that really like latches on to me. It's like, you know, I've seen we I think just it's just because there's been so many war films out there that have done so much with cinematography that even like when you get a good war film, it's all quiet on the Western Front, which you know, it's still great, it's still shot amazingly. I just, it ju I think like, you know, it just, there isn't really nothing that was stuck out about the cinematography and in a way. Tar, on the other hand, I think has great cinematography. I think, you know, in a film that, you know, didn't, ne I mean, didn't necessarily need like cinematography, like to that level, I think Tar pulls it off incredibly well. I think all the long, long takes are very like, well done and i think like all the lighting choices are amazing with it and so i think you know tar is probably my favorite but i wouldn't be surprised you know if they give it to all quiet on the western front because you know old academy award voters love war films but i think tar is probably the one that honestly personally i want to see take it yeah and i said all quiet um best costume design we have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, everything ever all once, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Thoughts? <laughs> I think it's Elvis because Baz Luhrmann always often wins the costume awards, and there's a lot of cool yeah. costumes, and you know, I think it's going to Elvis. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry, Matthew. No, you can you go can first. Go. Oh, okay. So this one is also like, They've been going back and forth a little bit, but it's pretty much locked in at Elvis. Elvis won awards at Costume Designers Guild, and it also won the BAFTA. Um, Wakanda Forever won the Critics' Choice, and then Everything Everywhere All at Once also got something from Costume Designers Guild. I think it got contemporary, um, but I don't know. The fact that Elvis has the BAFTA and Costume Designers Guild, which means that the actual like costume designers like it um i think it's pretty much a lock for elvis at this point yeah I would, I would agree i mean i mean although i wasn't really a big fan of elvis like i gotta be honest i mean i'm and i think you know matthew is probably in the same boat as me but i think like you know the costume design i think works incredibly well on elvis i think it and i think i don't know i mean it's like something about like how Bass Lerman, although I'm not really a big fan of him as a director, he does a good job of like, you know, a lot of the elements of like production design and costume design. So I think, you know, Elvis getting costume is a very fitting choice. Everything Ever had good costumes too, but I think Elvis like really sold the show and plus it really helped Butler really transform into like the American icon we know today. So I think it's definitely going to be Elvis. I'm going to say everything ever all at once. And the reason why is 
in Elvis, the costume design is probably one of the best things about that movie, just because it is very, very much accurate to like what Elvis actually wore and capturing that like 50s to 70s like fashion style. But everything ever all at once not only has some of the like most wild and original costumes that I've seen in a movie, but just the amount of them. There's some costumes that are literally on the screen for one shot. And it's like, you have to make all of that. Like that takes a lot of work to make such an elaborate costume to be on screen for like five seconds. So I think the quantity and the, just the overall designs, and I'm no fashion expert, so who am I to judge? But based on just that, the amount of costumes that had to be made and just the overwhelming like different kinds and like just how intricate everything was, I think I think that deserves to go to everything ever all at once. Elvis has a lot of that too, but just not on the same level as as the former. So I'm going to say that. I mean, everything everywhere, I just want to quickly say, like, one thing I like about when costume design is, like, if you have, like, an iconic kind of look to it, and I think the costumes for, like, will be kind of iconic moving forward that someone can easily... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, There's iconography with that now. Um, Best director, we have Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishir and Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Ever All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Austin for Triangle of Sadness. I think I know what this one is personally, but um, yeah, I'll let someone else talk. It's like the battle between the Daniels and Spielberg because um, I mean, so far Spielberg has gotten the Golden Globe, um, and if, yeah, he also got the BAFTA. Didn't no Daniels got the BAFTA, right? Or I don't know. I don't no, even, no, it was, um, uh, all quiet. Got all the quiet. BAFTA, which is all great. quiet got the BAFTA. Edward, yeah, Edward so, I mean, Berger. Yeah, but I. I mean, although like Edward Berger, like you know, does a good job with that. I don't know if he's gonna get it. Um, I mean, Daniels, like you know, they got the Critics' Choice Awards, but um, I mean, I think like personally, I think like you know, everything ever all at once, like you know, is much better for his technical elements. And don't get me wrong, it's very well directed, but I do think that Spielberg's probably gonna be the one to get this. I think somebody who like. Because I think the fact that, you know, the Fableman's is about something so close and personal to Spielberg. And, you know, it's probably one of the few, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a time when Spielberg's like, you know, really oozing out his entire childhood and his upbringing into one film. um, And, you know, directing it in such a way that is so intricate and so down to earth. I think it's, I think Spielberg's really the one that's going to, get it i mean daniel's like i wouldn't be surprised if they come in a close second um i mean i think they like because you know everything everywhere all at once is such a spectacle to watch i mean it's just an insane film that you know takes advantage of like everything it's like just completely unloading the chaos but i think like spielberg's really the one that's gonna probably grab this one um, but it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if we see it goes to the Daniels. I actually don't understand the like people. A lot of people have been saying Spielberg for this one, and Spielberg took National Board of Review and Golden Globe. But then Daniels have the DGA and they have the Critics Choice, which like I don't know. I honestly think this is Daniels Award. I'd feel a little more sure about it if they'd nabbed the BAFTA, which Spielberg wasn't even nominated for a BAFTA, which I think is kind of a big deal. Um, I actually, what I would put at a close second to Daniels is Todd Field for Tar, um, because the critics love Tar, and it seems like 
Tar, like, I don't know. I feel like Tar is kind of second to everything every while all at once from what I've been seeing across the ward season in terms of like how much people like that movie. Um, it is nowhere near like as good as everything everywhere or like not as popular as everything everywhere all at once. But I think in like the cinema community, it, it seems like it is. So I would put Daniels for my pick, but then, you know, it would surprise me if Todd Field stole it, but I don't also wouldn't. I don't know if that makes sense. Daniels are taking it. <laughs> it's their year. I don't. It's. I wouldn't call it a lock, but it's close to a lock. I'm. I'm gonna say Daniels. Like, just how much they had to keep track of with that movie, stylistically, storytelling, acting. It's just. It's truly, truly amazing. Um, I know for at one point Spielberg was considered a front runner for director, but it seems like that kind. That's kind of gone now, unless we they surprise us. Um, it. I love Spielberg, but in my opinion, The Fablemans is not his best directed film. He's had many other films that were directed better. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Daniels. I think it's a near lock. I would be very surprised if anyone else takes it. Moving on to best documentary feature film. We got All That Breeds, All the Beauty in the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. I think it's going to Navalny because of when the really? page- PGA when the PGA it's I think because it's a relevant story you know people like it because it's like oh it's about Russia and people know who that is I'm not happy with it because I think it's probably from a filmmaking standpoint it's like the weakest of the ruins I just think academy voters will vote for it. it'll be a big surprise because everyone will vote for it because it's like you know, it, the set, the fact that one PGA is what making me confident. It just reminds me of kind of like my octopus teacher in that sense where it's like may not be like the best like movie, like filmmaking wise, but like in terms of like what the people wanted at the moment. It just I think it's going to go to Navalny. This is another one that I'm really conflicted on because all of the critics awards that I track, it was like unanimous praise for all the beauty in the bloodshed. And then the Documentary Guilds, Cinema Eye Honors, and International Documentary Association both went to All That Breeds. And then Fire of Love took DGA, and then BAFTA and PGA went to Navalny. So it's kind of hard to say. It seems like this is a pretty divided category. The only one that hasn't gotten any love in terms of nominations or wins is A House Made of Splinters. Um, Otherwise, it seems like I don't know. I definitely think like it's kind of between All the Beauty and the Bloodshed and Navalny. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is backed by Laura Poitras, who won Best Documentary for Citizen Four. And then Navalny is about the uh, the famous like Russian activist who I think I'm a little cl- conflicted about giving it documentary, though, because I know Navalny has made some controversial comments about the Ukraine, I believe, recently. So I'm not sure if like the academy will get behind it but i'm also not i don't know i'm sort of between navalny and all the beauty in the bloodshed because navalny has like the big awards but all the beauty in the bloodshed has a little bit more unanimous praise i mean i think like i mean navalny like you know i thought it was like a very well put together documentary but i think what is going to be holding it back um, is definitely going to be due to the current events that are um, that are going on between Russia and Ukraine. Um, and you know, and as we know, like um, Hollywood, it's like you know, 
they're they're pro Ukraine. Um, they're and I think you know they're um because you know what last year was like Sean Penn said he didn't want to show up to the Oscars if um Vladimir Zelensky was gonna be invited um or it's some something like that or you know there just was like I think everybody's like you know not necessarily a fan of this war obviously I man I don't think anybody should be a fan of this war really um that's not a good thing and I think I I think if like you know I think like documentary is always going to be about the relevancy and the topics um that you know happened during these times and you know I think at this point, I think it's going to be all the beauty and the bloodshed. I think that's a film that I honestly, I do think is better than Navalny. I think it, I mean, I think Laura Poitras really does a good job um, integrating herself into the life. So in the life of Nan Golden, somebody who's like a very um, huge gay rights activist and photographer. And I think, you know, Poitras just really knows how to put herself into those situations and documentary feature that I think amazes me which is you know why like you know documentary is like one of the most underappreciated mediums in terms of filmmaking and I think I think all of the beauty in the bloodshed is like one of the most like like captivating films I've seen this year um and I kind of wish I had it on my top 10 but I had to see it after um we had our top 10 a few weeks ago um and I think you know I think all the beauty in the bloodshed should be the one that should take this home. I've only seen three out of the five. I've seen All That Breeze, Fire of Love, and Navalny. Um, Fire of Love is my favorite documentary of the year. Um, I haven't seen All the Beauty in the Bloodshed yet, but I know that's been getting a lot of um, awards recognition. It also won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival last year. So my apartment wants to say that, even though I haven't seen it, but based on what I've seen, I would give it to Fire of Love because I truly love that documentary. I think it's so interesting. All That Breathes is very atmospheric, but it's not for everyone. And Navalny, it's it's a fine documentary. It's an it's an interesting story, but given like sort of the um kind of what Dan is saying, the, the real world politics that are going on, like I don't know if the Academy will want to recognize that. Um and also too, it's just like it's it doesn't really do a whole lot interesting with the documentary format, unlike Fire of Love did. So I'll give yeah. it to that. And also, fun fact, uh, Aaron Casper, who is an editor on Fire of Love, actually used to be a part of Bijou. So there's a plus there. And also, she she actually visited my class last semester, too. So, yeah, fun fact. Best documentary short film. The nominees are The Elephant Whisperers, Haul Out, How Do You Measure a Year, The Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gate. Um, I don't know. I know, Dana, you've seen the documentary shorts. I've seen most of them. I don't know if it has anyone else seen a lot of these because. Nuisance Bear got snubbed. (laughs) Which one? Nuisance Bear was like a documentary by The New Yorker. Uh, That's a great documentary short and it got snubbed. (laughs) I have not seen the others now. I I can't. I'm going to let you go first. Um, I. So documentaries, most of the short, or most of the shorts, all of the shorts are very difficult to predict because there's basically no awards. Yeah. Shorts. So it's like, just a crapshoot, honestly. Yeah. And a lot of times if there is an award for a short, 
it's not the ones that are nominated are usually not they don't nominate any of the oscar nominated Mm -hmm. shorts or they give it to something that isn't nominated so like uh we're on documentary short right yep so like cinema i honors nominated martha mitchell effect but it didn't go to martha mitchell effect and then international documentary association gave it to haul out um but international documentary association it's only gone to the film that the Oscar has only gone to the film that won that award twice over the past 10 years. So it's not like, I'm not confident that it will be haul out just because it won that award. So I've heard most about the elephant whispers. So that would be my pick. I, I judge best documentary short film based on what my favorite out of them are. My favorite was haul out just because it was, it was really impressive the way they shot right. that documentary. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Elephant Whispers is also very good too, but I'm just going to say haul out just because there's like what Emma said, there's nothing to compare. It's really just based on what you've seen and what you consider the best. So yeah, haul out's my pick, but this is, this is one of those categories where it's like, it's, it's entirely subjective. Uh, honestly, my prediction, I'm going with the gamble on this one. because like my, like I, everyone's I think predicting Elephant Whispers because Netflix but I'm going to go with a controversial pick. I'm going to pick Stranger at the Gate because it, uh, I think it has the, you know, well, she's not a producer. Lala did, like, executive producer. There's a name to it. I think the Academy voters are going to... It, it kind of reminds me how we were having a discussion earlier about, like, you know, the there's, like, these often a lot of these shorts, these shorts tend to win because of, like, political messages and these messages while... At the same time, even despite like film Twitter hating them, just something about Stranger at the Gate feels like it's going to be like one of those like it's going to win. I just something about it. I think this its story is captivating, even though I didn't you know even though I didn't hate it as much as most people. I just think it's gonna just something about it. I'm I'm gambling a bit on this one, but I think it's going to go to Stranger at the Gate. All right, best film editing. The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Ever All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. I think this one is pretty obvious what will take it. Um, yeah. This <laughs> everything one, Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Everything Everywhere has it locked in. Um, Top Gun Maverick did win. I can't remember which award it won at the American Cinema Editors Awards, but that would be the only one that is like poised to steal, but it really doesn't have a chance. Like... You have an Eddie, a critic's choice, and a BAFTA. It's pretty much a locked in, a lock in. So, yeah, I mean, everything ever has it pretty much locked in as well. I mean, and you know, I think sometimes the Academy forgets what film editing is. It's not just about how many edits you can make in a minute, Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> um, but it is. Uh, it is always about, you know, keeping the story flowing and constant and always being sure that, you know, there's a lot of clarity to the audience. And everything everywhere at once, you know, it has so much going on and, like, has so much going on, but the editing really helps you, like, understand what's going on. And although it's very quick-paced, and I think it definitely is the lock in the category. I mean, Top Gun, Maverick, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Academy manages to get an upset for that because, you know, Top Gun Maverick was also very nice, very well edited. Um, and it really it really does have like a good flow to it. But everything ever all at once is pretty much the one that's gonna have this in the bag. 
ditto. I agree. Everything everywhere has it in the I think is gonna win this. Yep, every everything everywhere has some of the best editing I've ever seen, particularly in um the last third and the action sequences. Best international feature film. One more rant. Um, decision to leave, not nominated. Why is that not here? It's great. They should have nominated it. Anyway, uh nominees this year, all quiet on the Western Front, representing Germany, Argentina 1985, representing Argentina, obviously. Close, representing Belgium, EO representing Poland, and the Quiet Girl representing Ireland. There's Gee. no, there's no discussion. What it's going to be? <laughs> there's no discussion. Yeah. It's all quiet. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, it's all yeah. all quiet. If Decision to Leave was on here, that easily would have won. I don't know what they were thinking, not nominating that. But I don't know either. It's literally a crime. Um, EO is also very good. Personally, I like it more than All Quiet on the Western Front. But given the traction, it's going to be All Quiet. I think we can move on. <laughs> Um, best makeup and hairstyling. Uh, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Another interesting category that I'm really not sure. I'm debating between two. <laughs> so. This one is actually a lock for Elvis. Um, really? Black Panther, Elvis, and The Whale all got war- awards from the Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guild, but Elvis went home with Critics' Choice and BAFTA. So Elvis basically is a lock in for makeup and hairstyling. It's not really a question. Yeah, Elvis is winning this. It's again, Baz Luhrmann has has like a, a just. I, I is it? I believe she. I forget her her it, his wife, but like she's a great makeup art artist, and I think this is a, and like you know, like everyone's saying like, oh, the whale has the big, the big like, the big prosthetic, but the whale's just a prosthetic, and I think like Elvis has the same prosthetic with Tom Parker. And there's more than just the prosthetic. There's like all that wacky 70s hair stuff. So yeah, I think it's Elvis. Yeah, it's definitely Elvis. Um, I mean, I think the whale, like, you know, yes, it's really impressive with like Brendan Fraser. Um, like, you know, putting on all that makeup. But uh really that's all the really that's really the only makeup the whale has. I mean, that really sticks out. Cause every everybody else is pretty much like, you know, normal in that film. <laughs> And Elvis, like, you know, the thing that I actually really loved about Elvis was the fact that, you know, not only like were the actors able to embrace the roles apart from Mr. Hanks, but they at least, uh, you know, look like the actual, um, they look like the actual real life people in comparison. I'm the thing that I was fascinated by was like, you know, there's like a scene where um, Awesome Butler and um, whoever's playing Priscilla Presley are in a trailer and it's like, that it looks like a photo outside of like that you would see of the real life Elvis and Priscilla Presley. And I think, you know, Elvis is pretty much the biggest lock here. So I'm, I'm between two and it's, and one of them isn't Elvis. Um, The only reason I say is because I, I think the makeup on Austin Butler is great. However, the makeup on Tom Hanks sucks. It's terrible. And I don't think the Academy should give an award for really bad makeup like that even though the other half is quite strong so i'm between the whale and the batman at times in the whale um the prosthetics is like not super consistent there's times where it's really really obvious but in the batman colin farrell as the penguin you can't recognize him it's flawless makeup so um i I don't know i'm like really between those two i'm gonna say the batman honestly and also because the batman is nominated for two other categories and it's probably not going to take those either this might be its only oscar win so yeah i'll i'll say that i'm gonna say the batman best original score 
We have All Quiet on the Western Front for Volker Bertelman, Babylon by, by Justin Hurwitz, The Banshees of Van Sheeran by Carter Burwell, Everything Everywhere at Once by Sun Lux, and The Fablemans by John Williams. This is another category that's just crazy. You think um, so? Yeah. Babylon took the Golden Globe, which is a pretty, you know, big predictor. Society of Composers and Lyricists gave it to Everything Everywhere at Once. Societies of Composers and Lyricists is a guild, but it doesn't super line up with it doesn't line up with the Oscars at all. And then BAFTA went to All Quiet. All Quiet hasn't been nominated for score anywhere else. Babylon has been nominated at Critics Choice in BAFTA, but it didn't win. And that's basically like it's pretty scattered, I guess. I my pick is Babylon because it seems like it has the most inventive score and people really like the Babylon score. But I don't know. It's kind of between Babylon and All Quiet. It it should go to Babylon. It's my fa- it's one of the best scores I've heard in like a decade, but I think it's going to All Quiet because the really? Babylon kind of kind of helped it. And people do like the All Quiet score. Like every, every time I hear like people who say like, oh, I didn't kill for All Quiet, but that score was amazing. I just think like, I think, yeah, I think, you know, it, it though it's a coin flip, I think it could easily still go to Babylon. Um, and again, I, and that might be like a risky one I'm predicting on, but yeah. I think I, I think it's going to go to Babylon. I mean, I think, you know, I... I mean, all quiet, like, and because let's face it, all quiet didn't really become much of a front runner until the BAFTAs. Yeah. And I think that's all really what all quiet on the Western Front's really riding on at the moment. Like, people seem to forget that that's like the only indicator for like all quiet on the Western Front is that it's the BAFTAs. And don't get me wrong, like, the BAFTAs have as much tie in, has, has as much tie in to the Academy Awards as they always do but it's usually with a um a british bias and if that makes sense um and so and it was kind of obvious that you know you know it all quiet on the western front was going to kind of you know have a whole chunk of awards from the baptas and you know i think babylon is probably the one that's definitely i think it's going to be the one that should take it i mean i think it it sticks out like a sore thumb in this category because I think it's probably the most inventive score and that is in and there. And don't get me wrong, All Quiet on the Western Front has a great score as well. I mean, I actually did like the inclusion of having um an electric guitar in there, despite the fact that it didn't match with the time period, but I got what it was trying to do. And I mean, and yeah, I mean, this is like probably John Williams' final Oscar nomination because he's retiring after Indiana Jones Five, which you know they could still give him a nomination for that, but it's unlikely that he's going to get it here. So I I do think Justin Hurwitz has this in the bag. Babylon, no question. Mm-hmm. Justin Hurwitz won an Oscar before. The score for Babylon is probably one of my favorite music scores. I've literally been listening to it nonstop. It's like kind of it's kind of an addiction at this point. Um, so yeah, it's the most tied with everything everyone wants. It's the most unique score, but Babylon just has so much range. And it's just, it's such an amazing score. I'm giving it to that. I hope it does win. It probably will. Honestly, like I'm, I could see it winning best original song, the most pointless um, award at the Oscars, honestly. But um, <laughs> this, this year's nominees, we have applause from tell it like a woman, hold my hand from Top Gun Maverick, lift me up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Not To Not To from RRR, and This Is A Life from Everything Ever All At Once. 
I I don't know if I speak for everyone, but I think this one's pretty obvious as well. It's not yeah. not to not to not to not to. They don't give it to not to not to. I'll be incredibly disappointed because like all these other nominees are very boring Oscar songs, you know. You know, so like you know, especially you know, especially applause. But like I just yeah, not to not to be fun. It's fun. Yeah. Good. End of story. Not to not to. Not to not to is a banger. It's the best song out of here by far. Um. I just want to make a. I just want to say one quick thing about "Hold My Hand." Good song, not the best song on the Top Gun Maverick soundtrack. "I Ain't Worried" by One Republic is a far superior song. So, yeah, yeah. it's not even one of <laughs> Lady Gaga's best songs. No, Lady it's Gaga's not. "Shallow" is a better song from *Star Is Born*. Yeah, I think Cat just heard you, and she's and they're gonna. Oh, I'm. Oh, I'm sorry, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> they're already mad. That, they're already mad that we're not giving it editing. Oh yeah, best production design. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. This one is also a lock for Babylon. Mm -hmm. Um, It won Art Directors Guild, Critics' Choice, and BAFTA. So, yeah, it's pretty much locked. Um, Set Decorators Society gave something to Elvis, but they haven't been around very long, so they're not the (laughs) best predictor. Um, And then Avatar took Los Angeles film critics, but those aren't quite as important for predicting as art directors, critics, and BAFTA. So I'm my pick is Babylon. Babylon, it's a lock. It's been winning yeah. everywhere. Yeah, Babylon. I would say Babylon too. And I, I know for a while people were thinking it was going to be Avatar, but um, I mean, I think Babylon's just the one that's going to get it, especially you can't not forget about that opening and Babylon like the production design and that was just insane and I think just a good example of like what's gonna win the award so yep it's Babylon incredible production design I want to bring attention to a snub real quick the Northman was not nominated for anything especially production design which is really surprising because it looks incredible you would think they would give it to like either that or costumes but I guess no one watched it unfortunately um I'm happy to see Avatar in here because even though the VFX are the highlight, the fact that they had to build all these physical sets for the motion cap actors is impressive. I'm happy that's being recognized, but it's not going to take it. Babylon has it on lock. Now moving on to the other short film categories, best animated short film. We have The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, mouthful of a title, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, and An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It. Uh, Much like the other ones, have we seen these i've seen all of them you've seen all of them i've seen all of them as well i I haven't seen any of them uh i have i'm annoyed by this it's gonna go i think it's gonna go the boy the mole fox and the horse because apple is campaigning (laughs) the heck out of it even though it's the one i like the least and is i think the least deserving of the bunch because it's a very kind of safe family thing uh, I, I think the one that should be winning, in my opinion, is Ice Merchants. I think from an artistic perspective, an animation perspective, it's it's beautiful. And you should definitely check it out if you'd like to. In fact, I, I think all of these, except for like the, like the only one, yeah, three of these I, I love, except for the only two I didn't care much for were The Flying Sailor and Boy, The Fox, The Horse of Them. Yeah, whatever. It's such a long title. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like that title. And I don't I don't really like that short either. The animation is beautiful, but the story, its it was like it was written with chat GPT. It was so generic and bland. Um, yeah, it's just a boy. Yeah. 
What about you, Daniel? What have you seen? I saw a seven year of dicks. <laughs> oh, my my year of dicks. My year of dicks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird title. <laughs> It makes but, sense. Uh, it, 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 well, not I, mean, I, I like that, but it's such a dark horse because, I mean, let's face it, I think the award voters are going to be very thrown off by the <laughs> title. I don't know why. It has something to do with somebody named Richard. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to go to the boy and list of animals whatever whatever i could see my year of dicks winning purely because academy voters do think it's do watch it out of like curiosity based on the title and then love it and that's the other one they watch or they vote on it because they think it's a funny title so yeah um out i saw i watched all of these out of all of them my year of dicks was my favorite of the bunch and it is the most unique like it's more for adults but it's just Really interesting, really interesting animation style. I really liked the story too. And last year, the windshield wiper, which was also another anime film geared towards adults, took home the Oscar. And it's very similar, similar styles, sim- similar themes, and all more geared for an older audience. So I'm gonna say my year of dicks, mostly because I liked it the most, but also just because I don't know. I, I liked, I really liked Ice Merchants a lot, but I don't see that having any traction. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse is. Uh, it might win because it's the most family friendly but it's the worst out of all of them honestly it's just not it's not an interesting short film so yeah my year of dicks that's what i'm gonna say best live action short film we have an irish goodbye evolu la pupil night ride and the red suitcase i say an irish goodbye because that's what i've been hearing but the fact that la pupil is backed by disney i feel I feel like that's my number two. I have the PPU as well, or whatever it's called. It's 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 on Disney Plus, making it probably extremely accessible. Alfonso Caron is nominated for this as a producer, so he's gonna win. There's like a name to it, and I think yeah, I think it's and I think yeah, it's really cute, and it's a fat, it's a and I think Disney has the money to fight the campaign for it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a, it, I think it's the one that it's the safest if you're gonna. If you are going to make a bet, like on your Oscar ballot, like I think this is the safest pick for short. Yeah, I mean, I think Alfonso Cuarón is. I mean, no, he is one of my like all time favorite directors. I mean, I, I, he just makes amazing films, and you know, La Preview is like you know, it's a great. I mean, I thought it was great, but I, I don't know. I mean, Irish Goodbye was also pretty good as well. Um and. But, you know, I think it happens all the time. It's like, you know, whatever has the most for name recognition, like what well, you had Joey Badass in like 2020 and connected to one of the shorts you had, Riz Ahmed connected to one of the shorts last year. So it's like Academy's always going to go for the name recognition and it's probably not going to be a surprise that it's going to go to Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, I'm going to say Lupi Pio as well. I saw all these, Lupi Pio was my favorite out of the bunch. Also interesting to know, it is a Disney production. It was a Disney Plus original short, so no, and no one seemed to know knew that it existed. It's literally the best thing Disney released in 2022, and yeah, it's really charming. Yeah, we got Alfonso Cuarón, but the director Alice Rohrwalker directed Happy as Lazaro, which is also has some weight behind it. So I'm gonna say that one. Best sound, 
We got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Eef. I'm going to say Top Gun. <laughs> this, is another weird, this is another weird category because All Quiet took the BAFTA and then at Motion Picture Sound Editors and Cinema Audio Society, All Quiet took one at Motion Picture Sound Editors, but Top Gun took a bigger Motion Picture Sound Editors Award and it took Cinema Audio Society. So it's confusing because like, BAFTA, which is like, you know, more similar to the Oscars in terms of the way voting works, went to All Quiet, but then the guilds seem to prefer Top Gun Maverick. So I'm, I kind of want to say, I feel like All Quiet is kind of the safe choice, but the fact mm. that there's so much love for Top Gun in the guilds, I almost want to say Top Gun. I, I agree. For a while I did, like, for briefly at All Quiet, I thought I went, but I went back to Top Gun because I'm like, I cannot see... Top Gun going empty-handed. I think the Academy, I think with how much love the film has and how much the Academy is just basically advertising, the, the, like using Top Gun as a vessel to kind of get people to watch, I cannot see it not win anything. And I think the sound in Top Gun is great. And I think your average Academy voter who doesn't know anything about sound will just say, yeah, the sound was great. And because, and, I mean, they saw Top, like compared to, most Academy Awards probably saw All Quiet on on the Academy screening room or on Netflix, while all the Academy members likely saw Top Gun in the theater where you just hear the sound. It's great. Yeah, it's going to be Top Gun. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, All Quiet and the Western Front had great sound design too. I'm not dismissing that. But, I mean, I think Top Gun has had it in the bag, like, from the get-go. I think that sound design is just incredible. I mean, whenever you get the immersion of, like, feeling like that you have, like, jet points passing you while you're in your theater seat, it's doing something right. Um, And, you know, maybe, like, if All Quiet in the Western Front, like, gets, like, some type of theatrical, which, you know, probably it definitely did, but I don't think anybody saw it, saw it in theaters. Most people likely did not saw it on Netflix. Um, It could have probably had a bigger horse in the race, but Top Gun... It's just, I mean, Top Gun's going to fly away with it. No pun intended. Uh, Top Gun Maverick all the way uh, saw in IMAX theaters and the mixing was absolutely incredible. Truly immersive blockbuster escapist cinema right there. Another major snub. Nope. Not here. Yeah. Don't know. Crazy that, it, that don't it's know not why. there. Um, I no, guess they, that was like the best thing about Nope. Yeah, I yeah, guess they sound. just didn't, they didn't look up at the cloud right there. So yeah, that was a major snub. Um, yeah, Top Gun Maverick easily has it. Best visual effects. I'm just going to preface right here. We're probably not going to debate on this in any way. We know what, what's going to win, but the nominees, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Let's say it on all at the same time. One, two, three. Avatar. <laughs> yeah, Avatar. Um, motion capture, underwater best cgi i've ever seen in my life if you bet against it i'm sorry you're a fool so it's just like put that on your ballots because i guess the only thing i think the only thing could happen is maybe the academy votes for top government because they appreciate its practical visual effects but i doubt that'll happen that fair but i can't see that happening no me neither i i I have I, i have avatar so yeah avatar moving on to the writing categories best adapted screenplay all quiet on the western front Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. 
I think it's gonna be women talking. Same here. I mean, I feel like I don't know. I feel like you. I feel like that it's it's a very well written film, and Sarah Polly, like you know, has been in the industry for years. Like she's been around for such a long time. Um, and you know, she she gets recognized, but she doesn't necessarily like have like the name stay that a lot of other directors and writers do but i don't know i think women talking is the one that's going to take it because this has it's probably the best written out of all of them i mean glass onion i think for a while was going to be seen as like the big one like for original screenplay but i don't think it's i think women talking really overshines it in writing and plus i mean i don't know i, I think like the person i saw was better <laughs> um, i mean oh, yeah. i still like glass onion, but i don't know yeah. yeah this is another weird category because like nothing it's more mainstream it's more mainstream and also none of these scripts have really been nominated anywhere else or quite as often as everything else like top gun hasn't gotten nominations anywhere except at wga all quiet has been shut out of nominations basically everywhere the critics didn't like any of the scripts that are nominated <laughs> right now um BAFTA went to All Quiet, but that's because All Quiet dominated the yeah. BAFTAs. And then Women Talking took Critics' Choice, which doesn't predict screenplay very well, but it also took WGA. So I'm also picking Women Talking, especially because it's like probably the most dialogue-heavy movie, I would assume, um, and because of Sarah Polly. Um, I'm actually taking a gamble on this one and predicting All Quiet because of the BAFTA. Mm -hmm. And I also just think All Quiet is surging at the right moment. And I also think that it's the problem with women talking is I, it's rare you have a best picture winner, like like a a, a a screenplay winner go to like a number nine or a number like 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 the scale or like that has so few like you can tell there isn't much love for it compared to talk, like all, all quiet. I think I just think you know it it usually adapted screenplay is a second place prize or like a third place prize i just think on some i'm and i i, I hope it's sarah polly and i and it might end up being it's probably might be sarah polly but just for something about my gut instincts is saying that all quiet is going to take this so, so i'm taking a real gamble on this one that's fair i'm gonna say women talking um out of all these nominees it was not only my favorite but it's one of my favorite screenplays of the past year it's just very well written and very honest um of course, the University of Iowa is the epicenter for anti-glass onion love, so I'm not really pleased to see that here, honestly. Um, and everything else, like Topic of Maverick, good script, in my opinion, not one of the, the 10 best of the year. All Quiet was also good. Haven't seen Living, so women talking. Living was boring. Sorry? Living was boring. It was boring? Oh, okay, good to know. Best original screenplay. We have The Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Ever All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. I think, I don't know if we're going to predict a sweep, or not a sweep, but um, a equal prediction, but I'm going to say Everything Everywhere. Everything Everywhere for me. Thank you, Banshees. Yeah, I, I was going to say. say Banshees? Yeah, I mean, I think Banshees was just like... I don't know. I think that's like the most well-written film. And don't get me wrong, everything ever all at once, like, you know, is like also very well-written. But I think Banshees is probably the one that I think has like the best dialogue and has like, you know, the best, like, and is told in the best way um, from a screenplay standpoint. 
And I think, you know, everything I wrote at once, like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a behemoth of a film, but I, I just, I can't see them overlooking Banshees of Anna Sharon. I mean, I think this is probably the one that's more likely for Banshees and like best supporting actress, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I actually agree with Daniel. Um, Banshees has had a lot of momentum this season. Um, it won the Golden Globe, New York Film Critics, London, BAFTA. Um, everything everywhere has critics' choice in WGA and because of that, they're like tied on my spreadsheet, like exactly in terms of like numerically. But I feel like Banshees, the star is the dialogue and is like the writing and everything everywhere. The star is more like the visual effects and the the concept. Um, so I, I kind of want to go with Banshees because I definitely agree with Daniel that like, I, I feel like it's the award it's most likely to win. I, I agree. I agree with um, the statement about Banshees, given that it's a very dialogue heavy film. However, I would argue the same for everything I brought once, not only just the dialogue, but the fact that so much of the script involves the world building. It's all original. It's just like, like dealing with all these alternate universes, dealing with just the technology and the various um, ways the characters speak and act. That's all in the script. And Banshees has is like amazing dialogue but everything everywhere puts it over the top because of just how audacious everything surrounding it is so that's why i would argue um everything everywhere. however i would not be upset if banshees takes it as well so yeah all right the finale best picture we got 10 nominees all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water the banshees of inishirin elvis everything ever all at once the fablemans tar Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. What do we think? Who who is going? What film will bring home Best Picture? Honestly, this one's a lock for me. I think it's Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number two, Tar dominated the critics, but I don't think it. I think this is pretty much a lock. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a nomad land sort of moment where it's like there's no whatever about. Everything everywhere because um, it, it, not only is it sweeping, but even if it wasn't sweeping, I think it would be the winner because to me, best picture is not really a reflect. Usually, it's not a re best reflection of the best picture of the year, but rather like a good kind of a reflection of like the kind of the zeitgeist of both the industry and the state of America, and like you know the kind of and just the in, in the world in general. And I think no other movie I think captures both like the current state of the industry in the sense of like this is like the future of like independent filmmaking. This is what I think like late gen Z gen alpha like independent filmmakers will be making. But I think no other movie I think is a ref good reflection of the 2020s zeitgeist of like the mindset of this sort of rejection of nihilism and like this rejection of like you know cynicism. And I think Everything Everywhere is the movie of the moment and the year the movie of the year that reflects it more than any other film. I think says something about the only other movie I think has a shot is oddly enough all quiet on the Western front. Cause I feel it's surging. And like, like I said, my logic for best picture of it reflecting sort of the state of the industry and the state of like, you know, the mindset of the, you know, the country, I think, you know, all quiet kind of has its argument as well, but I think it's everything everywhere's year deserves to win. End of story. 
Yeah, I mean, although I do, I, I think personally, I do like the Fablemans better than everything ever, everything ever at once. I mean, I do, I can't say like enough like that, you know, everything ever at once is going to win Best Picture. I mean, I know there's like a lot, I know we're at, I think like people are at a point of like everything ever at once that, you know, it's getting so much praise and people are kind of getting sick, sick of it at, right now. Like it's just everywhere, literally. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think there's just no debate with it now. I think after it got the PGA um, persuaded and and like the Critics' Choice Awards persuaded, I think it was able to, you know, dominate the way it is right now. And, you know, it's probably one of those films that, you know, you're. it's like you can't forget. It's just so much is going on with it and so much is in it that, you know, you it's just so memorable. And... You know, like, and yeah, sure, there's probably films that were better and, you know, might have left more impact, but I think everything I brought once definitely are, it just has this in the bag. There's just no debate about it. Everything everywhere. This is, this is a guarantee lock at this point. One, one SAG, one PGA, one many other award circuits. Not only is it the best film of the year, but it should win. Like it's not it's not often that the Oscars gives best picture to the legitimate best picture of the year. And I think this is going to be that opportunity. It's going to be like Parasite. It's going to be like Birdman. It's going to be one of those things. So I hope it wins. I honestly don't know what else would take it. Even if it's another film I love, I would let's say if Banshees of Sharon took best picture, it's my third favorite film of the year, I would still be let down because everything ever at once is the most deserving. So I'm going to say that. And that wraps up this episode of Bijou Banter. Um, next, tune in next time, which I'm not sure when this will be, but we're going to talk about the ceremony as a whole and the winners, um, see what we got right, what we got wrong at Sunday ceremonies. So until next time, I've been Matthew. Daniel. <laughs> I've been Daniel. I've been Emma. <laughs> I've been Dana. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.